We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Hi, folks. What's happening? Welcome to another episode of the Eight Black Hands podcast. But before we get started with this episode, let's do a quick whip around, man. Let's check in on the homies. Breezy, how you doing, bro? Or maybe I'm doing good. With you. Are your audio good? Everything good? I don't know. I can't tell. Start with somebody else. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. Yeah, I got to You know what? Don't, don't feel bad. I think all of us having some technical difficulties except for Sharif today, which is funny. Um, but everybody's kind of <laughs> when, when do I ever? What are you talking about? When do I ever? <laughs> I'm, I'm always behind the scenes giving y'all technical support. Tech you, you absolutely are. Absolutely, you absolutely are. are. You absolutely hey, Reap, so, so, are not. <laughs> <laughs> Reap, we'll start with you, bro. How you doing? Good, doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, a seven-year-old uh, birthday this past uh, week, so it's been a, you know just a, a good week, and you know being around family and all that kind of stuff. So um, and shoveling, I feel like every day I've been shoveling snow, uh, but it's been good. Good That's to be here. One hundred and three, baby. One hundred and three. 103. 103. Charles, how you doing, man? Jeezy fans to get that. I'm I'm today's been a day, bro. I uh I've been writing since seven this morning and I threw away everything I wrote today, and that's just part of the process. It was in 30 pages, this was not up to snuff. Um, but my young people finished a indie report, so we just in the editing process and putting it into its final form. So I'm excited about that. But I will be going right back to writing right after this show. That's what's up, man. Sorry you had to uh, scrap that, but you know. No, I saw that's part of the process, baby. That's part of the process. It just means I'm close to getting to where I need to be. There it is. Breezy, what's happening? Not too much, man. Things are good. Uh, I got my store up today. www.citizenstuart.com backslash store. Go now. Just <laughs> <laughs> hey, damn the show. Like, he did episode. Just go right now. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. What's in the store? I got all kinds of merchandise, man. I got t-shirts, uh, hoodies, uh, phone cases, got a fanny pack, got a book bag. Man, come on. Go take a look. <laughs> the revolution will be literate. The revolution will be literate. And thou shalt bite from Chris. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm, hey, I'm going to go buy is. something, man. I'm going to go support that thing, man. So that's what's I up. I, I'm, I'm happy for you. Absolutely. I'm going to buy something and I'm going to tell you I bought it. And so you can send me some merch so I can rock it for you. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Ray? I'll buy one, get one. Man, hey, I'm doing well, bro. Thanks for checking in. Just made 44 on the 19th, man. The big 4-4. Happy and, uh, I, I swear I didn't know you was that old. I swear to God, I, swear, <laughs> I, I asked. I was like, "Wait, I ain't, I, bro!" I swear I thought you was like two years older than me, bro. This whole time, yeah. I'm yeah, a terrible hey. friend. Happy birthday! Happy no, birthday! Thank, thank you for the compliment, man. You just told me I look great mm. and like a you look good. He didn't say I, all that, but you know, I get it to you. You know, if he if he stay moisturized, he good in these streets. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, yeah. man. Happy birthday. Yeah. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Hey, so so we got a we got a guest tonight, man. It, uh let's bring the guest to the stage. He's a he's a blue checker, too. Uh <laughs> what's going on, uh, Mr. Campanelli? Hey, let, let me go into this bio. It's pretty long and lengthy bio. 
uh, <laughs> if I miss anything, feel free to add. So uh, Andrew Campanelli is the president of National School Choice Week, the largest public awareness effort in the U.S. focusing on opportunity in K-12 education. With the goal of informing parents of their school choice options, Andrew and the NSCW team work more than work with more than 25,000 schools, my schools being one of them, along with thousands of organizations and homeschooling groups. Uh, under Andrew's leadership, uh, NSCW has experienced remarkable growth uh, from 150 events and activities in 2011 to more than 51,000 events in 2020. Andrew's also the author of a new book called The School Choice Roadmap, Seven Steps to Finding the Right School for Your Child, a guidebook that uh, that helps parents identify uh, education environments that meet their, their child's needs. So welcome, Andrew, to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's jump right in. Right. So, uh, Andrew, fellas, how would you, uh, in your own words, define school choice for yourself? Because it looks different for for different folks. So, uh, Andrew, we'll start with you because you're the guest. Sure. So. To me, school choice means parents, the people who know their kids best, identifying the schools or learning environments that best meet their kids' needs, whether that's a traditional public school, a public charter school, public magnet school, private school, online school, or homeschooling. It should be up to families, moms and dads who know their kids, know what their interests are, their challenges are, their motivations are, not up to a bureaucrat you probably have never met to determine what your child learns, how your child learns, and where your child learns. So to me, that's what school choice is. Yeah, thank you for that. Charles, what's up, man? Uh, yeah, man. Well, one, thank you for being here, uh, Andrew. Uh, I tend to use the term parent choice more just because your opposition has definitely bastardized school choice and into <laughs> this other thing. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all we got to work on marketing, man. I, I am, but I'm somebody who, I'm not, I don't I don't put faith in systems at all. Right. So with that being said, right, if if black folks have not gotten what they've needed, I, why would I take any options off the table for black parents to make the choice that's best for them? So that's whether that's traditional schools, like you said, charter, private, if you can afford it, parochial, homeschooling. Uh, my thing is, especially if you got a black kid or a brown kid. Make the choice that you think is best and be ready to fight like hell, regardless of that choice. It's still it doesn't end in just making that choice. So. I look at parent choices, like you said, parents being able to take power into their hands and get the best for their kids. Taking it to Baba, which, what's your thoughts, bro? Reef, you the only Baba on here. Oh, I'm the Baba. Oh, my bad. Hey, all all y'all are Baba. That just mean dad, bro. <laughs> yeah, like I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, Let's be yeah but he's dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, actually, well, damn, Chris is dad of yeah, course. Chris and is Baba too. Yeah. <laughs> All y'all got a lot of kids. So. Nah, don't don't say all y'all. Choose your words carefully, young man. You better tell the truth and shame the devil. Don't put that on. Put that evil on me. Don't put that evil on me. Cold and tight. Then he's gonna start when he's fifty. You know man. what I mean? He's gonna have the same number as as me and Chris combined. Man, listen, my my, ca- my camera about to start stop working. You better quit playing with me. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> no, the um, I mean I, I agree about the the parents. So, I mean, for me, it's twofold. One is you know parents being able to make the make the choices, uh, but it's also like you know uh, brother Malcolm said. You know today's is you know the date of his uh, his martyrdom. But you know when he said that you know. New York City should give up 30 percent of New York City schools to the community. Right. And so, you know, 
people should read uh, his initial speech about organization of African-American unity and how he was talking about parents having control and ownership. So for me, it's twofold, not only for parents to be able to have the choice uh, for their, you know, for their children and the communities that they reside in, but also policymakers ensuring that it happens, right? Not making it harder, not creating more red tape, but supporting, right? Like that's how you can support the communities and families. So for me, it's twofold, this idea of getting out of the way, um, making sure things are easier, making sure data is is accessible and parents being able to exercise, you know, what it is that they, they do. Um, as Chris talks about parenting, it, it ain't, it's all about, you know, that's what it is, it's parenting, so. That's what's up. Breezy, you up. You're muted. Unmute yourself and say something provocative. I know. Uh, you know Sharif stole my thunder because uh, in my mind, there's no such thing. We shouldn't argue about school choice. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as school choice or parental choice or whatnot. I just consider parenting by law where I live in the state of Minnesota, where I live by state law, I am responsible for uh, my child's acquisition of knowledge and preparing them. And I can be taken to court. I can have my, my rights severed from me if I'm not doing a good job. It's called educational neglect. So if I'm not, if by law I'm on the hook, for educating my child. Um, I just call what you guys call school choice. I just call that parenting. I make decisions and decisions about who, what, where, when, the context of education for my child. How are they gonna learn? What are they gonna learn? Who are they gonna learn it from? Those are all my decisions. I'm a parent, get away from me. And, and, and by the way, let me just say this. This isn't just state law where I live. The International Human Rights Convention, Article 26, Number three says that boy looks at the articles. Go ahead. <laughs> but let me just tell you what it says. It says so. Article 26 says that everybody deserves a human right as a human right, a free education, primary education uh, as part of your intellectual development as a person, as a human. So it's a human right. Article 26, three says that a parent has a right to the education of their choosing for their child. Right. So anybody in the United States who wants to argue against what we call school choice, they're going to have to deal with international law on human rights to do it. Man, you better slow down. You know what happens to black, you know what happens to black men when they start trying to unite on the, with the global. Uh, this is true. This is true. Community. This is true. So my, my last point that I made, describe it 100 percent to Raytoven. Uh, I did not say that. Uh, uh, all of that was said by, said by Raytoven. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we'll, we'll reverse the order this time. Uh, Breezy, we'll start with you. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of folks in our community that do not feel like black and brown parents have the ability to select the schools uh, that, of their choice for uh, for their kids. What's our message to the folks that don't think that our parents have the intelligence and the agency to select uh, schools for their children? I mean, first of all, we should just start with you don't get to be in this conversation. Right. Like nobody comes into the conversation about black parents, black and brown parents with the um, with their calling card. The first thing that they're going to say is we don't believe that parents uh, know how or are smart enough to make these decisions. First of all, that should be disqualifying. That's what I'm trying to say. You should be disqualified for the conversation the moment that you say that. Now, listen, I don't like the way that some of y'all dress your children. 
right? I look at some <laughs> of them and I wonder like, what you're thinking, right? Just a lot of times. But God forbid there should ever be a way for me to use law and use the state to force you to dress your kids like I dress my kids because your kids look a little raggedy. Um, that's how I feel about <laughs> I this. So, <laughs> <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is bad takes the, early the point, <laughs> right? The point I'm trying to make is if every time I disagreed with you, I, I got the state to agree with me and against you, um, that would be a pretty warped use of my social power, right? To be able to say, I know what's good for my kids and your kids, and I'm gonna get the state to help me enforce on your kids. That's just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matt, you know what? I mean, I, I agree it's a disqualifier. It's, it's, a, it's downright racist or self-hatred, you know, in, in multiple ways, you know, um, because it's, you know, one, to be that disrespectful and ignoring history, right? Like who who has been worse about, you know, choosing schools for children, black children in particular, than the institutions, um, the government? Like that's that's been the case, you know, whether it was uh, Native American schools where they were snatching Native American children saying you mm. have to attend here, mm. Um, whether it is what's happening right now where it's zip based on zip codes and they will say, oh, yeah, that that suburb, that first ring, that that suburb across the street from the, the line, from the city line is going to get two, three times more. And we yeah, we see it. And, oh, it's nothing we can do about it. Right. So all of those things show that it's not parents. If anything, parents haven't had choices of good options, uh, not that they don't know what a good option could look like or what what their children need or what they experience and how they want it to be radically different. That uh, I don't I don't think any parent who's gone through any type of educational system doesn't have an idea of like, hey, this is how what I envision for my child, because every parent wants better for their children. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to hear about the the point five percent of a population and base all the uh, you know, all the policies on on that. I don't want to hear that crap. You, you base it on what parents are doing all the time is trying to find better ways and means for their for their children. So. Yeah, it's it's not only disqualifier. Usually, it's it's a racist basis. Whether it was black people can't be quarterbacks, black people can't you know be astronauts, black people can't do this. It's a, a long thread of that kind of uh, you know narrative that's that's been grown in the manure racism of uh, this country, bullshit propaganda. So. Oh, oh, <laughs> Ooh, oh, no. oh wow. We got a oh, no. oh, no. oh, no. mm. mm. Let me get out the way on this one because we got a yeah. whole expert here in reef cursing. So I want to make sure y'all know how that's not a real about. curse word. You know, that's like, you know, listen, I, sir, sir, your language. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. We hey. Andrew's here, though. I don't want to take no thunder, but y'all know how I feel about it. Look. I'll take this parlay any day. As soon as they open up gambling where I can bet based off the of zip code and race, who's getting the short end of the stick, I will bet 90% of everything in my bank account uh, mm. that I can pinpoint. And if, as long as I can tell how well you're doing in school and how well, who's going to be poor later on when they become adults uh, by your zip code and race, uh, I'm definitely, definitely got a, a finger for you if you telling black folks that they can't pick where they want their kids to go. But Andrew, Again, you the expert in this thing, man. I'm gonna let you and Ray rock this out and let the people know. Cause uh yeah. and let me know when I can make that bet because I need that bread. <laughs> Andrew, you're up next. All right. So 
It's racist, it's offensive, and it's also a damn lie. Parents know their kids best. They know what environments their kids are most uh, likely to thrive in. And for anybody to say that any parent uh, does not have the knowledge, the intelligence, or the ability to make a choice like that for his or her child, they are absolutely ridiculous. But we're hearing this ridiculousness constantly. And this is what drives me crazy. And sometimes they don't come out and say it directly, but they say things like, well, you know, parents don't have the resources to make these decisions. They don't have the time. Uh, We can't put the burden on parents to make choices. I hear it in veiled uh, terms constantly from folks who want to deny families the opportunity to really determine their children's destinies. And uh, I think we got to call it out whenever we hear it. Yeah, that's right. Definitely. Definitely. You know, I 100% agree with you. We definitely got to call these things out. So throw a little curveball in this, in in this thing, right? Chris, I saw you tweet something. And so I'm going to let you set this Mm. up. So this Mm. is the hot mic school board scenario. And I Mm. feel like it's important that we talk about it because Mm. you know, that that, that's real big because you know, you have these folks that are talking about, uh, you know, we need to have charter schools need to have democratically elected school boards the hell we do when they doing stuff like this and so chris set us up with like the meeting before the meeting and this like how this whole thing went down so there was a uh the oakley school board in california actually the entire school board was having a meeting they didn't know that the mics were on yet though so they just started talking one of the school board members was like she's sick of hearing parents come at her on social media and send her emails and um there was one particular parent who called them out for being out at some special gathering um and what at the same time saying it's unsafe for kids to be in schools so she got on the in the mic before the meeting so she thought and she was like these people better never come at me like that again you know and it was like you know she called her the b-word and she was like you know i will f you up you ever come at me like that again and she you know they're just talking back and forth and one of the other school board members is like yeah these parents just want to be back in school so they can smoke weed all day and have their babysitters back and blah 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 and then all of a sudden one of them she went oh what huh oh what wait what huh oh Oh, 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 we are? Oh, wait, huh? Oh, 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 well, apparently we're on right now and the public can hear everything we're saying and the meeting has been going this whole time. So the public got got all of it. What I want to tell you as a former school board member is your school board hates you. They're sick of you. <laughs> they really do. They're sick of you. They're sick of your email at midnight. <laughs> They're, they're sick of your, your ideas, your ideas that you have all the time. They're sick about your little, oh, my God, my little child, this, that. And you mean all them thoughts you got, all the thoughts you got. thoughts and whatever. So when we hear this idyllic, beautiful, oh, my God, we just have to have democratic education, democratically governed schools by school boards who, who have so much oversight and so much sunshine. Listen, let me tell you something called a serial meeting. A serial meeting is when you, you have a meeting that avoids the sunshine law by having it in configurations of the board so that you never have to call a quorum. That's how you have Mm -hmm. secret meetings. You Mm -hmm. also get secret behind the door meetings on anything having to do with personnel. You also have Mm -hmm. Tuesday meetings like we did in my board where people bring stuff to you at times when they know that nobody from the press or anybody else can come. Right. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. or if we really want to jack you up, we will have a meeting outside of the city somewhere at a retreat center far away where we know none of you will come. 
knock it off with the uh, democratically elected uh, accountable school boards who are accountable to the public. Man, get off of that nonsense. Right. Stop the crack. You know, crack is whack. Get off of that and realize that you have to be vigilant no matter what kind of school your kid is in. Did I set that up, Ray? Did I set it up? Perfectly, perfectly. So, Andrew, you familiar with- One last thing. They they all resigned. Yeah, they did all resign. Yeah. All together, they they resigned. I mean, what could they have done? You know, that's all that they could have done. Oh, you're supposed to stay. You stay with that, baby. You're supposed to stay. This is what I said. Y'all get on my damn nerves. Let's go. Let's do the next week. So, Angel, you familiar with this? Come on, I you, say you good riddance, you. and I hope they have more hot mics out there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Listen, so, so, so here's the thing: like they captured this via a hot mic, but what about all the things that are being spoken about about our parents? in these schools that don't that, that's not captured via the hot mics right and it's like you feel that sentiment when you walk into the school building so when you walk into these school buildings you walk into these administration buildings or whatever and like you feel just like this unwelcome feeling mm-hmm. and this kind of puts the icing on the cake as to like they don't really want you there they don't really care for you and so you know to have the ability to now go out and select the schools that you want your kids to be in is most paramount Right. And that's why I fight every day. So, uh, Andrew, what, what, what were your thoughts, man, when you when you heard about the hot mic and you and just just democratically elected school boards in general? What's your thoughts? Well, I, on the hot mic thing, I saw it literally an hour before uh, we came on the show and I I couldn't <laughs> believe it. But I also knew that these things were obviously happening and glad that it got caught because for mm-hmm. heaven's sake, finally, somebody gets uh caught with their mouth open and the words coming out and you actually hear what they're saying and what they think. And it's exactly what you feared it was. Um, what I think about democratically elected school boards, if a parent wants to choose a school based on the fact that it has a democratically elected school board, go for it, pick a school that way. But if you want to pick a school based on what types of courses it offers, what types of extracurriculars it offers, whether it's safe, whether they have good communication with families, choose a school based on those things instead. Choose a school based on what matters to your kid and your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, agreed. Reef, I got a special question for you, bro, because I know that you're going to knock it out the park. That's why. Lower your expectations, bro. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Reef, why is it important for parents, especially parents of historically disenfranchised scholars, to have choices as to where they send their kids to school? Yeah, I mean, I think one, when you just look at the history you know, of our of our people, our communities, you know, choice has been the thing that's been denied, you know, uh, the longest. You got literacy, you got where you can spend your money, where you can live, where you can shop, where where you can work like this goes on and on and on. So to me, this is just one more example of Jim Crowing, uh, you know, black mm-hmm. communities this is Jim Crow for ed- education. We talk about apartheid and we always we always want to put this the sinister labels on these foreign countries. Right. Like the Arab Spring. We had an American Spring this last year. Apartheid. No, apartheid is only in South Africa. We have a we have a kinder, gentler uh, version of it. Ours is just racism or biases <laughs> or we're just you know we're, they're just uh, old fashioned right but apart no we have educational apartheid and and that's exactly what happens uh to you know to many families and you know as far as that that hot mic you know 
as Andrew said, like that kind of thing happens all the time, right? You know, like that, that mindset, you know, this whole idea that people come to schools, they come to school boards, they come to district and then their scales just, they peel it off like a reptile. Like they just, mm-hmm. you know, my corn snake, it sheds every, every month or so, right? Like they think that's how racism works. You just shed it now. Oh, I work in a school now. So now all my, you know, my anti-blackness just has disappeared. <laughs> you know, no, it doesn't. It, it's it's still there, you know, and like the school boards, my, my mom used to say some of the worst places that she heard people talking about black children was in teacher lounges. So yep. whether it's the teacher lounge, whether it's that that uh, that whole front desk of how parents and community members are 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 unwelcomed when they come that vibe or whether it's a school board like it happens a whole lot so um yeah so i I think difference between appointed or elected that doesn't you know elected doesn't mean that that anti-blackness has disappeared (laughs) that's not that's not what's going to make anti-blackness disappear that's not what's going to make people accountable for being uh being racist and thought in actions yeah charles straight to you uh, which, what what'd you need me to answer, brother? We're in the middle of two <laughs> kind of questions, B. No, it's kind so, of two questions in the air. It, it, it is, it is. So answer, answer both of them. <laughs> well, the, the first question is, did, did Reef say corn snake? Yeah, he <laughs> said my corn snake. Yeah, he said my corn y'all, snake. Just so y'all know, Sharif has an ostrich in his house, okay? He got like <laughs> ostrich eggs and he got a whole bunch of... Listen, that, them eggs can feed a whole family when, when sitting. So Ask him know. how he know. Ask him how he know. So listen, <laughs> um, what I'll say about this, right, just around the choice piece, listen, man, again, families, your loyalty is not to a system, okay? Especially systems that have been as horrendous as they have been for Black folks. So what I would say is be loyal to people and be loyal to your family and your kids first. So in certain situations, maybe a traditional school might work for you. I played ball and at the and there wasn't charter schools around like that when I was a student. But our charter schools are pretty small, so they don't play in the higher divisions. Well, I wanted to play in a higher division. I think that, again, the biggest lie that these people tell you is making you feel like you owe these systems something. And it's like, why would we owe a system where we always at the bottom? And when we bring up that we at the bottom, all they say is, well, those scores are biased. Those scores are this, those scores are that, which may be true, but I can indicate and I can predict with precision what's going to happen to those kids and where they're going to end up. That's why they build what they build based off of reading scores, right? Like there are forecasts happening on the backs of your children. So let's just get rid of that first line off, off bat. Two, I, I'm not even talking to the schools at this point and to the haters. The hardest part about my job in education is convincing black folks that they deserve better than what they get. If you've not seen a whole bunch of different things, you know what I mean? And it's easy to love your school because mama went there, grandmama went there, all these people went there or whatever. But once I started seeing the beauty of going to so many elementary schools as a kid is that I didn't have the words, but I knew it felt different. My teachers in Kentucky talked to me different than my teachers in Oakland. Like they didn't talk to me like this, you know? And I think that understanding that you deserve better first is the hardest part of anybody's job. If you do any type of parent movement, uh, student movement or whatever the case is, they've tricked you into walking to the back of the bus without even being prompted to do it. So that's why I would start. That's what's up. Breezy, jump in here. No, I mean, uh, I don't know what question you have 
<laughs> on the table right now. Uh, um, but, you know, I'd be interested from Andrew, because this is the thing. I just heard Charles say that he doesn't even talk to the haters anymore. I have to talk to and through and at the haters constantly because I think that they're the enemies of progress. And I think that they're very effective by selling a set of myths to the public that are seductive and 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 seem reasonable you know, they say things like, you know, the charter schools are taking money away from the traditional public schools. And if you're in a traditional public school and that school's d- dilapidated and decaying, it's because this other group of people over here, evil people, have taken your money somehow out of uh, um, out of the schools. You know, they say things that like, you know, the whole purpose of choice in charter schools is to destroy the system. Um, and in all those things, they want you to be prioritizing the system. Right. They want you to be a sheep. They want you to to say, you know, boss, do we have a cold? Because because they say, you know, so if you do what's best for your child and you take the money that's associated with your child somewhere else. Their first question is, what will that do to the system? And you're supposed to be a damn fool. You're supposed to go, oh, yeah, I never thought about the system. Oh, God, I'll go meet some system. Oh, shit. Wow, I love me some system. I don't know what else. Wait, damn, what was I thinking? Damn, five minutes ago, I just wanted to. I just wanted to do what was best for my child five minutes ago. But now, damn, the system. Whew, this is a hard one. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Damn, whew, shit. Uh, hmm. Uh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! The system is hurting. Like what? The system. The system's like I, my system fell down and it can't get up. The system got COVID. Like what? You, <laughs> and you got to ask yourself. Well, wait a second. Now is this the same system that's connected to that police system, and to the taxing system, and to the court system, and to the war on drug system, and to the redlining system, and to the system that ghettoized you on purpose and urban cities come on man come on at what point does stupid stop being stuck (laughs) (laughs) never (laughs) andrew jump in here man (laughs) yeah so i i actually try not to engage with the haters because chris takes care of that for everybody within the school choice movement and so i don't have to uh you are perfect at it you and Corey DeAngelis. i mean you guys are kicking ass every single day on twitter but I did recently see an article, an op-ed in the Des Moines Register. I don't know if you guys read this. This was the greatest hits of the anti-school choice haters. Mm. It started out with, if you have school choice, it's going to ruin the things that make our system so important, like homecoming and being able to pick a school uh, quarterback. Then it went into, uh, it will make everybody racist. Um, and bring out everybody's uh, racist tendencies if we give people options. And then it finally said, if you choose a different school for your child, they might turn into the next terrorist who tries to attack the World Trade Center. And uh, that was really the train of thought that got published in a major newspaper in Iowa. And so when you have opponents like that, you know you're winning, and you know you're on the right side of this issue because, my God, if you, have, if you have choice, you might end up as a policymaker or a politician or any of the other folks that or a professor, you know, in, in the tower. Like these are the people that exercise this all the time. 
Uh, you know, so it's, it's always like, you know, a different generation for poor, for poor folks. It's almost like boxing. Did y'all see that Sonny Liston join? Like this guy was talking about, he's like, boxing has been the, the road for poor people to use. He's like, no, no other folks use it. It's, it's like the poor people uh, often get into that, you know, um, as Absolutely. dangerous as it is. And that's that's their their way out. They they it's not just those kind of things. It's a whole field of things that they say, no, this is for this class, you know, and particularly if you're you're black on top of that, you're brown on top of that. Right. This is the this is your America. Our America looks very, very different. And the first thing that people do is try to, if they get in there, what do we talk about? Like, you know, they don't want to end it. They just want to better their position in it. And so they become from that initial rhetoric of how people get elected to the gatekeeper. Like, oh, no, mm-hmm. I, I want to stay on this side. I want to stay elected. I want to keep the, you know, uh, those backers. <laughs> Who are my backers? Who spends that money? Right. Like, oh, I, I need the union to pay me. And anybody in Philly who who's anti you know, choice one, they chose it themselves for their kid. And you look and see who gives them the most money. And it is 100 percent the union every single time. And if it wasn't the case, then it'd be it'd be different. Then I, you would have my you have my attention if you weren't funneling money from there and then telling people and then slamming doors and locking them behind you. And Reef, you, you I mean, one, you just listed the whole plot for Creed, that was the whole thing, right? Like, you rich. Well, I'm not training you. You rich. This is for poor people. Like, you're not hungry enough like these other people are. Uh, two, real quick before I go, but my point, if y'all are listening and you enjoying the show, we need you to like, we need you to, to share it. We need you to share it with a message. Do that for us. That will help us out a ton because, again, you are the way in which we get to share our voices with other people. But back to this thing, man, around, like, systems. I mean, again, if there was a system that was the what were 80 percent of the majority of, of the people working in it were black and we took in white kids and they were always the lowest. And every time you ask me why they were the lowest, we said, well, it's poverty. It's this. It's that reason. It's this reason. I promise you they would have burned it down. Listen. They would have burned down your city hall, even though city hall ain't got nothing to do with it. They would have burned down your school board meeting. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Forget, forget. I'm talking about in some cities. Forget a, a hot mic at a school board. You would have been worried about a hot Molotov cocktail if black people was in charge of a system that always made sure white kids was at the bottom of it. And so here's what I but here's what I got to address. And Andrew, I would love your thoughts on this. I get pushback and feedback from people that say, Charles, I don't have the option of choice where I live. I don't have I don't have charter schools or these other schools here. And what I would say to these parents out here is keep pushing on those schools. But you have to find things outside of that building. For you that don't have other options, the school is not your only place of 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 of, san- of, of just sanity, man. You have to find mentors. You got to find other institutions. You have to supplement the things that these schools are not providing. And I'm not even going to put all my faith in a charter school or a private school either. There are other things you have to see where the gaps are and you got to work to fill it. I'm not talking about fair. Nothing I am saying is about fairness. Okay. I know it's not fair and I know it's jacked up and I know this system has been built on your back, but you have to live with the consequences of the type of education your kids are getting. So you need to interrupt that, whether you have choice in your situation or you don't. Um, and, and what would you say to we have? I mean, there aren't that many charter schools when you act. I mean, people like to make it seem like it's the whole swath. 
when it's still about 15, less than 15% of all students go to a less, charter? Less than 10. Yeah, it's, right. like, it's like 7, 7%, 7, 5. So, so, Andrew, if I'm in a place that actually doesn't have these type of options and you're the expert on this, can you offer those parents that I deal with a different type of relief? So the first thing I would say is if you're in a school choice desert where there really are not a lot of options available for your family, and those do exist, look and see if there are online options that can supplement your child's learning. Uh, parents are working together now to form things like learning pods. Um, this is not just something that, um, you know, rich families do. I think that the whole idea of learning pods is actually something that originated um, in lower income communities where families have always worked together uh, to help each other's kids. And so create a learning pod, use online resources and augment your child's education. There's a lot of other uh, resources out there, whether it's at the church or um, who knows in the community, um, but, but keep working on that. But most importantly, uh, as you're doing it, Fight for more options and more choices for your child. Be the person who shows up at the school board meeting or at the state legislature when they're trying to talk about you behind your back. Don't let them because you're in the room. I know it's easier said than done, but the more parents that you can work with and bring together and never stop advocating and never stop being the squeaky wheel, the faster you can bring change. Mm. So, so Andrew, man, a perfect segue because we're gonna come right back to you. Now you got a whole ass week <laughs> that, that you send yes. <laughs> yellow scarves and whatnot. I'm about to go get my yellow scarf in a second to uh, to promote just school choice nationwide. Talk to us about the origins of that and just like where you think it's going because it went from a little bit to like a lot and now it's just like running wild. Well, thanks. And um, so, School Choice Week was created in 2011, and the reason. School Choice Week was created is because we wanted to provide an opportunity to celebrate the idea of school choice and to raise awareness among parents about all the options that they have for their children's education. Because so many families don't know about the choices they have. And so our first goal is to raise awareness of the choices that are out there so families can exercise those choices and do it in a way that is not uh, confusing and overwhelming. And parents tell us all the time that they want to exercise choice, but the way uh, they hear about it from districts or systems is literally overwhelming and confusing. Those are the two words that parents use most often based on our polling. Uh, so we provide a lot of resources to families year round to help them out uh, in identifying learning environments that will meet their kids' needs, guides to school choice in their state, uh, jargon-free uh, resources that will uh, help them harness the power of their own intuition and find a learning environment that meets their kids' needs. Then during School Choice Week itself, our annual celebration every January, we work with 25,000 schools across the country of all types, public, charter, magnet, private, online, and homeschool groups too. And we raise awareness in communities about these options and the need for more choices for families. And it's grown so much because so many schools wanted to be involved and so many parents uh, that have chosen schools for their kids want to be uh, guides for other families, want to help other moms and dads realize that they, too, can find a better option for their children. Man, that's dope. 
Oh, shout out <laughs> to you guys. <laughs> you got the scarf. That's awesome. Look at this dude. I didn't know we was doing wardrobe changes. I love it. Hey. <laughs> I never get out-scarved, and I'm out-scarved. <laughs> I, so, I sir, never know. Is that a scarf or a blanket? What the hell is that, Andrew? I've got these bags before. You said it's, what? It's, it's a, a scarf. scarf. It's a oh, yellow man. fleece scarf. Okay. And in the last 11 years, we have given out more of them than if you had laid them out uh, flat, you would go back and forth across the United States four times. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's how you, that's how you so, get a message. And kids before. are getting these wow. and parents are getting these. And, and the whole goal is to raise awareness of school choice. So they've been on the Today Show, on Ellen, everywhere. That's what Andrew, I'm pushing you, man. I, I I would like for this to turn into a sweatshirt. I just I just think that I would I personally would get so much more usage. I mean, like you, you, you look like Big Bird. Been, if you had a big yellow sweatshirt, <laughs> you look like Big Bird, bro. <laughs> no, give him a fluorescent <laughs> yellow sweatshirt. No, wear it on this show every <laughs> week. <laughs> make make a fluorescent make, yellow. Make if it. If you can find someone to make it, I'll send you the scarves to have it done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right. So, so, so you also wrote a book. Uh, it's called School Choice, The School Choice Roadmap, Seven Steps to Finding the Right School for Your Child. So mm-hmm. I, I would love for you to be able to go through each step uh, and, and we'll pick a couple to like do a round robin to discuss like how we feel about that particular step in, in, in our words. <laughs> we sure. don't know, Michelle. We don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. Oh, no. <laughs> you go. No, I was, hey, I was so, just. So real quick, real quick, let me tell you what Ray told me this. So Super Producer in the back stole my name. Right. So uh, he's running around calling himself the Super Producer when, in fact, I am the super producer. You're and gonna so, and, you're gonna be Pete, you're gonna be podcast Diddy, Ray Tobin, super producer. And at the at the end of the day, what did Mama Sarah say? His name is Ray Ray. So like he can forget all this other stuff anyway. His name is Ray Ray. So, Ray, Ray Tobin is a play on this dude named All Jay up Pope. in the videos. The all guy. up on the stage. He makes, he makes really hot hip hop songs, okay? Yeah, that's what that's what it is. That's I got you, bro. Hey. Listen, we here. All right, so uh, so yeah, so 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 talk to us about 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 these uh these steps for finding the right school for your child. Sure. So I wrote this book because there were no resources out there that were designed to give parents uh, jargon-free, practical advice on how to find a school for their kids. All the advice that we saw was all focused on, hey, pick a school that has the best scores, or uh, pick a school that you know one other parent will tell you is a good one, and that's not really good advice because. Good scores are not necessarily predictive of your child's success. Um, So I put together this book that is designed to help parents harness the power of what they know about their kids because parents are the experts and find schools that meet their kids' needs. It starts with evaluating your own educational experiences because um, you have to remember that just because you went to a school and it might have worked for you, it's not necessarily going to be a good fit for your child. Um, And you have to remember that you bring some baggage, good and bad, to the school search process. Second thing is, uh, what are your goals for your child? And that's not really like, do you want your child to become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, but what type of person do you want your child to turn out to be? Um, What are the values that matter to your family? What are things that, that you really need out of an education? The third thing is to really drill down on what you need and want in a school. And there are a lot of worksheets in the book that help parents identify the things they need and want. Um, 
needs are things like safety and uh, in some cases, special education services and high quality coursework that will get your child to acquire knowledge. Uh, wants are maybe extracurricular activities, a ton of different wants and needs out there that any parent could choose. Uh, fourth, you're going to identify what your options are out there. Uh, every state has its own school choice options. You're going to make a list of schools. You're going to narrow that list down. Um, you're going to visit schools. That's the fifth step. Ask questions. Um, write questions in advance so that you can address your own family's situation and circumstance. Sixth step is to evaluate your options, narrow your choices down, talk to other parents uh, in a sort of an interview style way so that you can find out if schools have worked for their kids as well. Um, talk as a family. And the seventh step is um, making a choice and getting your child ready to succeed in his or her new environment. Mm. Bro, you just laid it out for parents in terms of like, you know, making an excellent school choice uh, for their kids. So, uh, fellas, which one most resonated to you? And let's let's talk about it. Well, Sharif, you can go first. I mean, he said a lot. but If you don't, then I can go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it all resonates. I I think, you know, the the what I appreciate is having uh, folks having access to information that's jargon free. That's, you know, that's that's factual. That's, you know, that people can kind of just see, decipher, discuss with their, you know, with their loved ones. You know, for me, that's that's a, a really, really important piece. Um, and I think just that that probing that whether it's you know, having just the the questions laid out beforehand. So you're not like thinking on your feet, you know, like you'll you'll have additional questions once you experience a visit or something like that or you have a conversation. But having that process of having information, digesting it. All right. Here's what I'm thinking about. I think that's a you know, just a great action step for any type of choice you're making, particularly one that's as important as uh, your child's education. Yeah, Charles, jump ahead. Yeah, I would say um, I appreciate those steps for people and making it as plain as possible. Uh, just to even pick up on what you said, Andrew, just so people are aware what's happening in Oakland and it might be happening in your city. Currently, we have one application where a parent can go online and see every school open to them. The new board is working and lobbying very hard to split that up where the district does not share data in space uh, with charter schools. And a lot of people are fighting against that because why would you want to make it more complicated for parents? See, this is stuff you got to pay attention to. I much rather have my board cuss me out and say some slick shit like on a, on a hot mic than actually limit my ability to look at all the schools at once. And when the board was pressed, they cited competition, meaning that we know that if we give you all the options, we are really afraid that too many of you will choose this other thing that we don't like. So I think that your point about making a list, Andrew, and like being on top of that is one that's really, really strong. I would say the other thing just to add on to that is find other like minded parents. I think that would be a good thing to add. You need to have a tribe. OK. And so in Oakland, one of the other things we did, I did this in partnership with S78 energy converters and myself, we took $100,000 and we gave it directly to communities. And we gave it to them around literacy. And the reason why we did that is that we don't care if you're in a charter or traditional school or whatever. I truly don't care. As Sharif will tell you all the time, no permanent enemies, no permanent friends. 
But if you get to a group, you get to a squad of people that got your back and y'all can split some of this stuff up and you ain't got to be alone in it. I think that's a role that you had, Andrew, is really helping parents find their tribe because I know so many families that have a kid in the traditional, a kid in the charter and a kid in the private or like one kid yes. is at home, one homeschool and one kid is at this larger traditional school, right? Like, I don't know what's best for your family and pay attention to this, y'all, because you- That's a trend, yeah. Usually union people hate on charters just flat out. They just hate on it. And usually choice people are agnostic about what you choose. So you should really ask yourself why that is. Um, I think that's something that that you should really pay attention to because if this other side don't care what I choose and telling me I got power, I should probably rock with them as opposed to these people saying, don't look over there. Don't even look over there. It's, it's sinister. It's bad. It's crazy. And then when I ask you, why is it less 5% of your kids on reading level? Then it's a problem when I ask that question. You should be very, very skeptical of anybody that has excuses for why your kid is failing and also don't want you to get something else. That's kind of toxic, right? In 2021 vernacular, you that's kind of toxic. That's kind of, uh, what's that show on Netflix? What was that movie that just came out? Uh, Malcolm and Maria, whatever. It's kind of Malcolm and Maria's, bruh. So I just feel like you should, your antenna should go up on that. <laughs> so uh, in terms of what, what uh, raises a red flag to me, and, and Andrew, thank you for sharing those those seven uh, seven items. Uh, but what's, what most resonates for me is, uh, it's just this whole, this whole narrative or, or this whole experience that parents have the whole thing that parents have experienced in schools. Like some of our parents just haven't really had a good experience in schools. And it's been over generations that, you know, that, that, that they've had these experiences. So, you know. Uh, you have the perfect to like freeze right here. <laughs> He was about Maybe, to go there. Oh, he just froze. He, yeah. <laughs> bro just froze. You know why he froze? Because he banished Chris. That's what happened. He banished Chris from the episode and then he froze. You <laughs> know what Chris Ray, you will stay frozen. See, Chris <laughs> Ray banished you and then he froze. And 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 then you know the color purple spell got put on him. That's all. I until he do right by you, brother. See. Welcome back, man. See. See. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Brad. You know, it's like uh, this coin tell pro is real. You know, mm. I'm just gonna say that it's real. So. <laughs> but just for the, just for the people too. listening, we all are having some technical issues. I think it's something with StreamYard. Yes. Everybody's stuff is kind of freezing and kicking off. So uh, we just gonna rock through it. Sounds good. What did I miss? What did y'all say while I was gone? Anything <laughs> we, important? We was just talking about you. Bro, we fixed the whole education problem while you was gone. We fixed world wow. hunger and racism don't even exist no more, B. You 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 missed Wow. That's We're dope. Putting you back on the school board, Chris. That's real dope. You know what? I cannot go back on the school board, but I think everybody should try it once. Mm. I did, I almost good. did, but I, they, the haters uh, ran me off before I even uh, got to the election part. Oh, wow. See, this is the point that this is this is a real point here is that the atmosphere, the culture of education debate and education, just politics and whatever civic life has been so poisoned by this us versus them, this or that, you know, traditional or, you know, are those other guys over there? And we can't let that happen. We can't allow it to become so poisoned that good people who want to participate uh, have to risk career injury 
to participate on a school board or on a, a, a charter school board or, um, or support a bill. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, or, I think you were going to say you know, something. So. People's families getting threatened and just for supporting choice. I mean, the number of families that I've talked to who have been advocates who have heard just horrible things said to them and to their kids because they wanted options. It really shows the power of what can happen when you decentralize power from bureaucrats to parents and people get threatened when parents take control of their kids' education. Uh, I, I just, I never thought when I got involved in education that it was going to be the street fight that it often is. A lot of times, obviously mm. it's verbal, but mm -hmm. still people can be really nasty. I'm glad that you lift that up as a, you know, I'm glad you lift that up as a problem because it does feel like it's a cult sometimes and, and you can be banished from social gatherings and from parties and neighborhood parties by friends who, once they find out you're for school choice. You know, another thing, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, Chris, is that a lot of families tell us that one of the reasons when they have options that they might not choose a different school for their child is fear of being judged by mm. other parents and family mm. members. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't believe it when I first heard this, but that is a very real trend. One of the, I think it's the third biggest worry that parents have. The first is making the wrong choice. The second is um, just failing to meet deadlines and things like that. And the third is being judged. They're afraid of being judged because someone's going to say you abandoned a local school or you made the wrong decision or how could you do this? And there is that worry that there will be shame. Andrew, let me tell you a secret about black people. Um, okay. <laughs> let you in on something, bro. When we, when we get some money, we send our kids to private schools, bro. Listen, That's you can be Baptist in all the days in the week, and you will see a bunch of black kids in Catholic school, fam. You understand what I'm saying? Like, every block I've lived on in my life, there's been one black family that had a little bit of bread. They had two things. Encyclopedia Britannica and they kids in private school. Okay, so like I don't want to, I don't want to hear none of that. Parents, if you worried about somebody judging you about what you need to do for your kid, check yourself. All right, this is about your kid's future, and that's your child. You got to deal with that. And listen, this is not me saying that the charter is the answer because sometimes charters is trash too. I would call any of these institutions trash, but that's your child, and you got to live with the results. I'm just letting you know, bro. When we get bread, we go to private school. And and you know what? And the thing about that is when you look at at teachers mm. and the and the surveys around teachers. Don't say it, they, don't say it. Listen, they, they put their kids, educators, parents who, who feel like that they're being judged, know that the educators that you're, you know, uh, you know, concerned about, like, oh, if I put them here, then people are gonna say this and that. The educators don't care. They Absolutely. put their kids, they choose their child's school at a higher rate than the average American. They choose yeah. private schools, educators, private schools. Public, I mean, public they, school teachers. What's, yeah. the, what's the data? Reef, what's the exact you data know, in, in, uh, in Philly? Because I know it's high. Man, in Philly, it was almost last I looked, and this is a few years ago, it was, it was over 40%. It was like 45%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Almost half. They know how to. They know how the sausage is made, bro. You ever went to a restaurant? <laughs> wait a minute. That's private school. That's private school, right? And you be like, waiter, what do you what do you suggest? And they be like, I don't eat this shit. Like that is what your teachers <laughs> been doing, bro. <laughs> yo, hey, that's still that, and that's scary. Yo, uh, that's a perfect analogy, Charles, because that scares the hell out of me when I walk into a restaurant. If I walk yes. into the restaurant and I see people that are on break and they're eating food from somewhere else, then I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah, if I go to Lake Chalet in Oakland on the water and I say, what do you suggest? And they say, I don't eat this shit. I'm going to eat somewhere else. Lake Chalet, maybe they're saying like they're they have you know uh depressed wages and they can't afford to eat it. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But listen, you know what the public should the public wait, should wait, get this information a, though. They should get this information. Ploy for fifteen dollars an hour. <laughs> listen, I'm about wages hell? that people can live on, yes. Or whatever. Not every job not every job's a living wage job, bro. I don't know if fifteen dollars an hour fifteen. I'm sorry, not everybody's worth. Fifteen. Here's the California. Not everybody's worth fifteen. I don't know if that's what anyway. I'm sorry. Some of y'all need to be honest with yourselves. Andrew, don't mind us, bro. This is the this is the late in the show type of thing that happens. So, so wait, wait, one one other piece. So, like, so we talk about that forty four percent of teachers in private school. Remember, Mm -hmm. school choice is a continuum. If we added and layered on top of okay, forty four percent private school, then another percentage are choosing. Magnet school, magnets, yeah, right. And then another, even if they publicly say, "Oh, I'm against," you know, uh, charters as part of this continual choice, but they also have their children there. Like that's a like that's the vast majority of the educators are making sure that their children are somewhere that they're also many times uh, might have a mindset of and let's lock the door behind us. Like that's the mentality, unfortunately. Yeah, and there's a comment that just was posted that someone said they. They put it better than I could have. Everybody out there who has the means or uh, any money to make a choice goes through the process of choosing. And it doesn't matter if they work in this system or work at any type of school, they're going to make the right choice for their child because that's a personal decision and they want what's best for their kid. And yet some of those same folks will then turn around and tell other parents well, you shouldn't have choices or you don't deserve to have choices or you just simply don't have the capacity to understand how to make a choice. That's where this becomes wrong because every parent has that innate uh, desire to have what's right for their child and also um, the knowledge necessary to be able to make a choice because nobody knows your kid better than you. Yeah, that's a fact. So folks, we're coming up on that time. And so what I want to do is I want to give you guys a question to kind of roll into your uh, your final thoughts. Breezy, I'm, I'm going to start with you only because Hi. I know you're about, you about to kill this because you, you've been real hot with this mm. question. So I kind of mm. made this question just for you. Um, so we've heard the narrative from the child and, uh, and not the school. And this has gained tremendous steam. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, so wrap this into your final thoughts. What are your thoughts on funding uh, funding the child instead of funding the school? I think uh, fund the family is something that I'm I'm pushing, and funding the child is you know that that's the the outcome of that funding the family. This is what I think. 
I really believe that we need to recenter all of the education conversation back on children and back on the child because schools don't have kids. School systems don't have kids. Parents have kids. And those kids are the only reason that the rest of you all have jobs. It's because children exist and because between their birth and adulthood, they need to develop intellectually. That is the reason why the government sets aside money that we all pay into. And that money is set aside called per pupil revenue or income or allotment. Um, That's the only reason all the rest of you downstream exist. So the idea that you would try to get us to worry about the system when we make a choice that you don't like for our particular child is antithetical to our responsibility as a parent. The government, if they are going to say, if the government says we have a vested interest in there being an educated citizenry, which means that every citizen become educated. So therefore, we're going to set aside money for each person. Um, That person should have at least reasonable control of how that money is spent on that particular child because no one knows that child's needs better than their parent. So the parent should be the president of the education of the child and the government should fund the family, not all the bureaucrats, not all the downstream pensions and pensionistas and other individuals who want to listen, your child, (laughs) you may act broke, but your child has so many middle class salaries attached to them that everybody's going to fight to want to wrestle control from you to, 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 to them. So that they can keep your kid because headcount is everything in public education. Headcount. So the most dangerous person is a person with a kid who has per pupil income who also has the right to decide where that per pupil income will be um, um, placed. My final word on all of this is you don't have to be for school choice. Right. Just stay out of my way. If you want the government to assign you to whatever broken down ass school they assign you to with all the broken toys, teachers and all the crappy outcomes that they've had for generation after generation after generation, sending more people to prison than they send to college. I support your choice. I support your choice so much. Do it. Do it a lot. Just don't do it with my kids. Right. So so why don't I fight for your right for the jacked up school and you fight for my right to do what God intends me to do, which is make ruthless choices for my child so that they can have a fair shot in life. Yeah, and I I knew you were gonna kill this. Uh, Charles. Again, you gotta reiterate the question, host, but I got you. It's hard baked, right? So it's a hard baked question. It goes into your final thought. Uh, So it's, okay, go ahead. I got you. What I was going to say is uh, just in my final thought, uh, I, I actually think Chris gave a really good answer. So my final thought is Chris always says that black kids are the new cotton. I'm going to bring in one of my favorite movies just to crystallize this for you. Uh, new Jack City is one of my favorite movies of all time. OK, and they treat black people are the Carter. OK, the Carter is the project where Nino Brown sold crack. And the union is Nino Brown, okay? <laughs> Anytime somebody else tries to sell crack in the Carter, you know what I'm saying? He shoots him. He kills him. Do not be fooled by Nino Brown's turkeys on Thanksgiving. You get to make choices. You actually have power. <laughs> and these people are selling you crack, man. It's, it's crack because it's nothing but death. It's nothing but illiteracy. It's nothing but not being able to do math. It's nothing but teaching you how to be helpless and saying that we can't do nothing because poverty is here. That's bullshit. 
I learned, I became a doctor of being in poverty. Don't let these people lie to you. You still deserve, you deserve quality, man. And that's the hardest job is I don't, these unions have no power if you actually realize how much power you have. And I ain't mad at all types of unions. I just don't like this one. Okay. I want to be very, very clear again. If somebody decides to be a firefighter, they don't get to run in and say, man, I couldn't put out that fire. It just was really hot. Yeah, because you decide to be a firefighter. So if somebody decides to teach in the inner city and teach poor people, you cannot say, well, damn, they just too poor. They just too poor. It's just too hard. You know what you signed up for. But being a teacher and being a white person in a teacher's union is one of the most cush things you can do because nobody can even ask you to be held accountable for our babies being able to read. And if you flip it for a day, if you flip it for a day, your ass will be gone. They they get you out of here. That's it. Yeah. That's right. Black Brief. people in them unions too, though. I just want to say that. They show all <laughs> Yeah, they got the same pushy job, so, you know. It ain't, so, anyway. it ain't a lot of them. Just, it ain't a lot of them. You can't really compare that. You can't compare that. But the point I was making yeah. was, if it was flipped, if it was 80% black people that was in charge of majority white children, and this was happening, I promise you it wouldn't stand. Absolutely. I promise you. I just love that you say bullshit. news every night, <laughs> 24-7, it would be headline news, and it would be the scandal of the nation. That's true. No, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. It would, it would be a little bit more than that. It would be January 6th. If if, mm-hmm. if, 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 uh, if we were failing, uh, if, black, if black, the majority was black and these were white kids, this wouldn't be, this would be insurgency. Mm-hmm. Um, El Mackey, what's happening? Yeah, listen, I mean, a lot, so much truth was already uh, dropped. So I'll just, you know, share it with, you know, my last thoughts is, you know, particularly I wanted to go back to like families where, you know, uh, what should they do or what can they do? You know, it's just saying like supplement until you can supplant, you know, do everything you can in the moment. Uh, Detox centers, reconstruction.us freedom schools, libraries, whatever, like try to supplement as much as you can until you can really supplant whatever it is that you're uh, dissatisfied with. Um, This whole notion that, you know, even um, Andrew talked about, like, you know, this particular uh, campaign started in 2011, but the campaign has been going on. You know, I know my grandparents started their school choice uh, parental choice campaign in the 40s and 50s. My parents continued in the 70s. I'm now uh, continuing it in, you know, uh, I'm like Chris, I've been a parent for three decades now. So throughout all those decades, whether it was (laughs) Academy of the Way or, you know, Villanova Honor Society or, you know, a magnet or like what homeschool, whatever it is, like we've just been doing all of the, uh, you know, all of that, which is just consistent with how the black community has always tried to navigate a system that they know was not built for us. It was never demolished and rebuilt. What we have is a system and people are talking about a skyscraper that's corrupt. Foundation is terrible, was built on on faulty lies. And they're adding window dressings on the 20th floor saying, look, this is our anti-racist year now. Why you got to talk about everybody's anti-racist if you weren't racist in the first place? Mm-hmm. Like, why if you were, if you were a school <laughs> that was already about like I'm, I'm tired of hearing people like we're anti. Every time I turn around, somebody's like, "Now we're anti-racist." What were you yesterday? I don't want to hear about what you're today. <laughs> what were you yesterday? Because before you tell me that you're going to be anti-racist, tell me what you were. 
racist. <laughs> <laughs> racist as hell. Andrew, Andrew closes out, man. I don't know how I'm going to close it out after all you guys said. You really nailed it. Uh, I would say this. When it comes to education, I don't think that we need to just talk about funding all the time. It, we can fund uh, our schools, all of our schools, effectively. We can increase funding to schools where there is a gap. And we can also provide all parents with choices. These are not two sides of the same coin. I think we need to start looking outside the box. If we are going to bail out airlines, which use their last bailout funds to buy back their stock, why can't we bail out families and give them options and opportunities? Mm. We spend money on everything in this country, everything. Let's invest in education and let parents determine where the money is spent, while at the same time having the best traditional public school system in the entire world. I think we can do both. And mm. I don't think those ideals, those goals need to compete against each other, except in the minds of families when they're choosing the schools that are right for their kids. Yeah, that's definitely dope. All right. So so my closing thought is this. Right. So uh, Senator Tim Scott, who is also a senator that's on the uh, Education Committee, uh, has decided that he is going to vote against uh, Biden's nominee uh, for, for Ed Secretary. And his rationale behind voting against um, uh uh, Mr. Cardona, it's not because Mr. Cardona does not have the qualifications or the experience to do the job. Uh, his rationale for voting against uh, Mr. Cardona is because uh, Biden and the teachers union have already uh, kind of set this agenda uh, in terms of what's going to happen for the next four years in education. And uh, Senator Scott is totally against this agenda. Uh, he wants more school choice for folks. He wants uh, more charter schools and just across the gambit, he wants folks to have more school choice. And that was kind of like the rationale for uh, having this episode is so that folks can fight for their choices. Uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, parents are the experts of their kids. And so if parents are the experts of their kids, then they should be able to have a choice in terms of where they send their kids to school. So thank you guys for kicking it with us tonight. We appreciate you and, and God bless. Good night. Good night. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.